another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hey everybody, it's Susie and Carol again, and we are reporting live. I'm just kidding. We're recording a podcast here from the Daily Grind in Marietta, and we're continuing our series on rejection, how you get into it, how you get out of it, the effects of it. I mean, so much we're talking about that I really feel like you'll want to listen and go back and read. Remember, all of the the written components of what we talk about on the podcast are available at BeulahGirl.com. And so in this second episode, uh, Carol's going to start with a story here on um, real-life people who have taken rejection to the next level and really caused it to, or allowed it to cause them to ruin their lives. So go ahead and, and tell us about one young lady that experienced that, Carol. Right. So this is a story that really, I think, gripped me when it came out, and I read it. Um, it was a story... Um, of, I don't know exactly the background of Michelle Carter, but she, if you remember her name, she is someone who helped her boyfriend commit suicide via text message. And she was also on the phone with him while he was actually um, poisoning himself with carbon monoxide. But this was someone who was a complicated individual. She wasn't someone who started off encouraging him to commit suicide she was someone who was actually a friend and tried to help him but as a relationship progressed that that she did indeed encourage her boyfriend to commit suicide but she was someone who was very much seeking out the acceptance of her peers and this is where the story gets a little crazy mm. and that's she helped her boyfriend commit suicide because she had a goal in mind and that was to gain acceptance. Um, she thought that if she could be the grieving girlfriend that maybe some of the girls that she was, there was, I, I, I listened to a Dateline report, I think it was Dateline, and, and there was a particular group that she was hoping to kind of get into a little more than she was already in, but she thought that if she could be the, the sort of grieving girlfriend that she would get sympathy and everyone in the school would pay attention to her right. because she very much, um, I guess, was really desiring that attention. And it's horrible and it's sad because it was at the expense of someone else's life who this, you know, her friend Conrad Roy was, he was very depressed. His parents had just gone through a divorce and he was going through some hard life struggles that with some encouragement, some proper friends, with the love of Jesus, he, you know, someone pointing him to the right way, he could have easily been pulled out of his pit. Yeah. But Susie, I know you've talked about it before yes. with your series that it's pretty common yeah. for young people, especially nowadays, um, with the stress and pressures they're feeling to fall into really deep depression and they can be pulled out of it but um she her you know michelle very much encouraged him to kill himself because she was seeking out that acceptance and i tell that story to say as we're talking about rejection social acceptance it is a need that we all have and i think if we're not careful we may listen to the story and say well i would never do something like that well we don't know the lengths that we would go mm. i think that we're designed and wired to be loved and to be in community. And so many of us don't experience that. We don't feel loved. We don't have that support system. 
and we just kind of feel like we're lone rangers. And a lot of times in that place of being sort of out there and feeling so alone, we can make some really, really terrible decisions. And so I think it's really important, as we talked about in our last episode, when we face rejection, whether that's perceived rejection or we actually you know, have someone just blatantly ignore us or abandon us or whatever it is, um, that we are so careful in that place of rejection to react in the way that God would want us to and the way it describes in the Bible, um, just for our own sake so that we don't fall into a terrible sinful choice that, not that God can't rescue us from it, right. but- You have the consequences that, the either consequences, way. The mm-hmm. consequences, right. Um, and so that's what we're gonna be talking about just a little bit um, today is just being able to stop that cycle, whether we're caught in it, we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about being caught in a cycle of, of making those poor choices when we're rejected, ungodly decisions, um, whether that be just being super mad at someone, not that anger is a sin, but in our anger, lashing out at someone or right. retaliating in some way or making a poor choice um, in our rejection to attempt to gain acceptance in a way that is just going to get us more rejection. And I know you're going to delve into, uh, we mentioned Zacchaeus a little bit. We talked about Leah and Zacchaeus in the previous episode, and we're going to talk a little bit about more him, more about him tonight. But the scripture that came to mind, and I will look at the scripture reference, um, but, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And actually, as I was just thinking about that scripture, it says he thinks in his heart. It's like there's a very strong mind and heart connection in the Bible um, in that culture, the heart didn't just mean the place where you love. You know, it was more than that. And so as our our thoughts and our emotions kind of get attached to this rejection, it says, so is he. he. You actually become that. So that can be for positive or for negative. And so, um, like you said, we never know the extent we'll go to if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to check us and help us, you know, get out of what we've been stuck in. So let's go into the Bible because that is our source of wisdom for life. And so even though these stories are a long time ago and you're like, my name's not Zacchaeus, I'm not short. (laughs) I don't have to climb a tree to look at somebody. It's not about the, maybe the circumstances surrounding it, but it's what, how can we apply it? So go ahead and tell us what Zacchaeus story teaches us about rejection and, and God's response to it. Right. So let's just quickly remind ourselves of the story. I'm going to read it because it's really short. It can be found in Luke 19, 1 through 10. Says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The reason that I chose this particular story is because we've been talking about getting caught in a cycle of rejection and how, you know, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about um, Zacchaeus and just how Zacchaeus, he, we don't know if he was in a cycle of rejection, but he definitely was in a, a sin cycle as far as cheating others. And um, he 
was able to repent from that and really even um, restore back to the individuals he had hurt the money that he had cheated more, even more than he had cheated out of them. And the reason I select this story is because there is hope for us in our places of rejection. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned when we were concluding our podcast episode, the last one is you said, you know, this is a really heavy topic. And yeah, it is heavy. It's heavy when people don't treat us the way we want to be treated. It's heavy when we don't feel accepted. And it's also heavy to look at ourselves honestly and say, okay, <laughs> yes. in my place of rejection, mm-hmm. have I acted in ways that I shouldn't? But what this story shows us is that there, there really is hope for us. And that is the message of the gospel, what you see over and over, whether it's has to do with the topic of rejection, has to do with, you know, the topic of self-worth, whether it has to do with anything, is that the gospel, the Bible gives us hope, and that's why Jesus came. So let's just go through a few things we can learn from Zacchaeus. Number one, we should know that Jesus sought him out. Zacchaeus was hated by his Jewish neighbors. No one liked him. No one wanted him around. Jesus had a different reaction to him. He literally sought him out and coming after you, Zacchaeus. And what we should know about Zacchaeus, though, is he was seeking the Lord. He climbed that tree. And one of the things that tells us in Scripture is that um, if we seek God, we will find him. If we are seeking him about our situation, if we are wanting to be restored and healed, and we don't even know what's wrong, know that the minute you start praying about it, whatever it is, if it's rejection or something else, God's coming after you. And he comes after you um, in your sin. When you've made bad choices. And he came after Zacchaeus. So it wasn't like, no, Zacchaeus, I'm sorry. You've you've just (laughs) acted in ways that are appalling. And I don't want anything to do with you. No. He said, "Uh, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house. And I don't know if you know that song, Carol, but the reckless love of God. I'm sure they sing that at your church. Yes. There's no wall he won't kick down, lie he won't tear down coming after me. It just makes me emotional thinking about it because God really does... This messed up person that we become sometimes. We all have moments of cray cray. <laughs> I have many moments of it. But the good news is when we still feel the Holy Spirit drawing us, we haven't gone too far. Oh. When we feel still feel, feel him and he will come after us with a vengeance. Um, in not he's not mad at us, but he will like pursue us to the point where we're like, Whoa, I didn't even know I could handle that much pursuing. But what a faithful father and some, you know, like the title of that song, some would consider that reckless. When they see, they're like, you're going after that guy? Like, seriously, he's the enemy of your people. He's stealing. He's a usurper. He's, you know, not even just charging when he's supposed to charge. He's charging more. And that's who you're going to go after, Jesus? But how cool that Jesus never paid attention to social mores. And he never, you know, looked at Zacchaeus as somebody who was beyond help. So that gives us, like you said, so much hope. What else can we learn about Zacchaeus? Right. And I, before I move on to to saying more, I do want to say just in response, um, one time I heard a pastor say that God's love is, is so vulnerable, and I never thought about it like that, mm-hmm. but he just puts himself out there. Yeah. I mean, we can keep running. We don't have to accept it, but right. he still comes, and that is extremely vulnerable because most of us, I know me, I'm very calculated. I'm going to put my love out there if I know that I'm going to get a return for it or someone's going <laughs> to yeah. accept it, right? Um I'm going to have a hard time putting it out there if I'm not 100% sure there's going to be a good return for my investment, right? Louis Grizard used to have that book that said she ripped out my heart and stomped that sucker flat. <laughs> That's a, we do that to Jesus sometimes, but yeah, he keeps pursuing us. Right. So the second point I really just want to make is um, 
Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Um, Jesus loved him. I'm sorry, my second point is Jesus loved him. Though Zacchaeus was guilty of sin, he was searching, he was lonely. Um, and it, it's possible that um, Zacchaeus was, as I've mentioned before, caught up in a cycle of rejection. And the thing about Jesus is I believe that Jesus didn't just invite himself over just to eat some chips on the couch and, and watch Sports Center. Um, <laughs> Jesus was coming after Zacchaeus. We don't know all the conversations that happened at his house, but when Jesus comes after us and we accept him, not even knowing everything that's wrong or how to fix what's going on in our life, we just open ourselves up to him. That's when we start to get some real solutions. And one of the things I talked about in my last post was a cycle of rejection. Basically, people who have been rejected have been sinned against. People have laughed at them or been unkind to them. It's highly possible that Zacchaeus may have been sort of caught up in a cycle of rejection. In response, the person acts in sinful ways in their, in their anger. Unfortunately, the sin response plunges them into further rejection because their actions give a foothold or place of access because they've given you know the enemy access through their ungodly response. We talked about it. Zacchaeus may have been caught in a cycle like this, but Jesus' love was enough to break that cycle. Um, and so really the last point, love breaks the cycle of rejection. What was so irresistible to, to Zacchaeus was Jesus' love. Um, and we see that because he was loved by Jesus, he was able to break out of this cheating sin that he was doing um, to all his neighbors and repent and seek restitution, choosing to do right to the people he had wronged. And I want to just read this quote from, from Mike Riches. Um, he says this about restitution. Restitution is sometimes a significant part of addressing the roots of strongholds that hold us back in our pursuit of intimacy with God and living fully in the freedom of his power and love. So Zacchaeus, he had been stealing from all of these people, maybe because they rejected him, or maybe just because he wanted to get rich. But when he encountered Jesus, he stopped his, what he was doing. And he stopped cheating people. And he paid them back what he, he offered to pay them back. Not only what he owed him, but four times mm. what he owed them, what he had stolen. Not really, I guess, yeah. So what he had stolen from them. And that was really restitution. And that word restitution, I know your church, you know, very much believes in restitution. Mm -hmm. We don't hear about it in all Christian circles. But restitution is just the biblical concept of going back to the people we've wronged. And, and you know, apologizing, but then trying to make right to them. Yeah. So let's say if we cheated them out of some money, we give them back the money like Zacchaeus and then more on top of that as he did or you know whatever it is we try to make right what it is we've done um, and we can't you know we can't always undo um, whatever you know if we said something mean about them we can't always undo that but we attempt to make things right and what Mike Richards talks about is just this process of going back to the people that we've hurt like Zacchaeus does in the story does so much as far as the freedom it, it provides in them in our life and not to get into a huge long story but that has certainly been something um, if you know my testimony you know that when God started bringing me out of um, the wounds that I had experienced in my childhood 
I did not know that I was caught in a cycle of rejection. I did not know that, um, I did not know where the bondage in my life came from. I did not realize that in reaction to what people had done to me, I had reacted in wrong ways. Mm. And so God started in this unique process where I just, people started popping up in my head that I felt like I had to go back to. Mm -hmm. And I resisted it. <laughs> like, Cause it's awkward. Fought so hard. Yeah. And one of the first people that popped up in my head was actually the first people um, person was I have resisted doing it. God reminded me of it. But there was, I've told you about this before, but at my job as a teacher, um, there was a field trip sum and it was $9 in like, like $9 in coins. I don't even know how much it was. But I had collected it from my seniors when another teacher said we were short on money for a field trip. Yeah. And it, you know, they had said, okay, we have enough field trip money. I had left it in my desk. I had never taken care of it. And then time passed, like literally, it was my like first year teaching. So time just passed where I was like, if I turn this in now, they're gonna think I'm a lunatic. They're gonna think I'm stealing money. And there was also some vocab money, which um, for vocab books, I just wasn't very good at um, keeping up with the fees. Like I was overwhelmed with teaching and I had checks in my desk everywhere. And I'm generally pretty organized, but I'm terrible with money. My husband keeps it up. And I felt like he told me before I left teaching, go to your department head and tell her, you know, about some of those checks from three years ago that are still in your desk yeah. that you just didn't keep up with. Um, and also that field trip money to turn, turn that in. And I was so afraid that they would think I was a bad teacher, a disorganized, because I tried to really create this image of perfection. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, or I would, th I thought, well, maybe they'll think that I've been, you know, stealing money or doing, yeah. doing devious things. And it's just nine dollars, you know, it's right. just a little thing. So I really swept it under and, um, and then I was attempting to get into this area of ministry and God popped that little thing up in my head and it made it very clear, you go back and you make that right. And so I went back and it was very awkward because I wasn't even working there anymore. <laughs> and I gave the money for the vocab books or whatever I thought that I, I checked that I hadn't collected that I thought was missing and it was only, you know, like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. And then, told them, hey, that $9 field trip money is stolen, you know, it's that's what that bag of coins is because I just left it in my desk. Yeah. And um, and then I just gave a gift basket to, to the English department and tried to make that right. And it yeah. was very awkward. And I, it, it just, I was just, my face was burning in shame because it was so important for me to, to, to look like I had it all together. But that was an important thing to, to make that right step. And I think that was, you know, what I had to do in that situation. Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but the longer we wait, the worse it gets. <laughs> God is like, I tried to give you the easy way out, but the longer you wait to talk about this, not only do you not, or not only do you have to do this, but you don't even work there anymore. You have to go back and say, hey, I'm busting up in here with some money that I have to think about how much I think it was, you know? So it really is good. Um, I love that Zacchaeus, um, I don't think it was an accident. I, I have a friend's church and I will not get off on this, but he said, you know, I don't think that, I think that tree was appointed to grow there so that Zacchaeus could climb up in it. But how cool that Zacchaeus, it was like that time when he was feeling uneasy. You can tell that. And he was finally ready to say, God, even if it's the harder way, I have to climb up a tree, look like an idiot. You know, you have to call me down out of the tree. Um, I'm finally willing to say, God, I want to submit to your way. And then he did it with enthusiasm. So, you know, that's what we need to do. So 
if we do feel like we're caught in a cycle of rejection, if we do feel like we um, just can't find our way out from this, maybe legitimate hurt, but we've responded to it poorly, what should we do? Right, and I kind of realized I just kind of went off on a whole subject on restitution, and um, yeah, and um, we are talking about rejection. In this but that's good, podcast. though. It's good. Right, so the first thing, if you have been rejected or there's just some wound that you have such difficulty processing through, and let me just say that when someone rejects you, it is so difficult. It's just like their words keep on flooding your mind, and you literally are having that physical reaction where your stomach hurts and you just, you want to go and hurt somebody. You're just so <laughs> mad. Um, so sometimes there's those, but I think the first step is to ask God to help you identify the wounds. Yes, there are those times where we really know what it is that makes us so mad, but sometimes things have happened in the past that we're sort of angry about the situation, but we don't even really know what the exact wound is or why it makes us so mad or why it upsets us so much or why that person just rubs us the wrong way and it really takes going to God or something may have happened so long ago that we've walked over it we've yeah. just glossed over it. we try to forget it or you know we we're just in denial about it and so we really need to ask God what are our wounds and where the source of that pain is so that we can find healing um, and this happened, really happened to me. There was a, a while ago where I was just sort of generally upset and I didn't know why, but I just, there were some, some things that I just felt really upset about and I didn't know why. And I had these, a series of dreams where God showed me scenes and it, it was the oddest things that ever happened to me. It's, it's never happened before and it hasn't happened since. Yeah. It was a series of dreams where there were people in my life that had hurt me and um, the scenarios in the dreams were the exact of things that they had done against me, but the actual details in the dreams were a little bit different. And it was, it was just like a really healing thing that God showed me those dreams. I could then confess sort of my unforgiveness and my pain and um, just the anger that I, I guess, had held on to. And I ended up laughing about the situation. It's like they sort of are funny to me now because yeah. – God is very creative. I mean, just the way he showed me those different scenes ended up being sort of funny. So, yeah, we definitely have a creative God. And, and um, I think that's a good piece of advice that I'm going to try to apply because there are times when we just feel even anxiety. I know you've written about anxiety and things like that, but there are times when we just feel a general malaise or whatever, and we may not even know what it's from. So I really, I felt conviction that there's, you're teaching me some stuff tonight, Carol. <laughs> So there's definitely, you know, in that first point, I think it's important. We don't even know all the time what our hurt comes from, but we, you know, just feel the effects of it. And so going back to God is really important. So what's the second thing we should do if we're trapped in the cycle? So once we've identified the actual wound, again, it may be really obvious to us, or we just may need some help figuring that out. We literally say out loud, God, so-and-so hurt me when they did this. And we could say, I think it's a, a really healthy thing to get in God's presence and say what you really feel. Lord, I am so mad right now. I just want to hurt someone. And get those emotions out because that's the only safe place that you can really say those. Because if they continue to fester, they are going to come out. It's going to come out in a sarcastic remark. It's going to come out in a rude comment to that person or to someone else who didn't even have anything to involved. do yeah. with that situation, it's going to come, it's going to 
turning to bitterness, which it says that bitterness defiles. It defiles us and it defiles others. Um, help me forgive that person and give it over to God. Um, if the memory pops up at a later time, refuse to give place to the thoughts. It will pop up at a later time. Yeah. If it's someone who has deeply hurt you, it is going to come up again. Satan is going to remind you of that. Or you may have to see them again. Whatever the case is, it's going to come up again. And so shut it down. The minute those thoughts start, shut it down. And um, it, if you have never done something like this, one exercise that may be really helpful is to get with God and write a list of everybody you're mad at and write what they've done to you and go down the list. And it may take up the whole page, it may take up three pages. And the other thing that is helpful too is to put, um, to evaluate, do you need to be on your list? Are you mad at yourself or things? Oh, yeah. Are you mad at God? You know, um, make that list and go through it, work through those things and literally go down the list. I'm God, I'm mad at so-and-so for this and then, um, please forgive me for holding this reaction or help me forgive them or whatever it is. Absolutely. And when we talked about um, our, you know, when I did the depression series with you, we're doing depression, we're doing rejection. We don't shy away from anything on the Be La Girl podcast. Um, but when I did that depression series with you, I talked about how um, depression that I had struggled with for five years, there was a day that I was in my car and it started to sweep over me for like 30 minutes. I felt just as if I were still in that situation. And I had to, at the end of 30 minutes, of wallowing and feeling just as horrible as I had ever felt, um, I all of a sudden thought, no, I'm not getting back into this. So it's not, like you said, same with rejection. It might come back and try to rear its very ugly head, but I had to say out loud, just like you said, say out loud, this is what this person did. It may be that you have to do that more than once. And I was in my car, so nobody thought I was too much of a lunatic because it was just me. But I had to say out loud, I am rejecting this, saying you are not going to have any control over me because he wants to manipulate that that area where no one else can get in and fight with you. Like your mind is just you and the Lord or you and Satan, depending on who you're going to allow in there. And, um, you know, so how cool that just the power of of our words when they're spoken, you know, out loud can, can thwart that. Um, what is the third thing that we should do if we want to break out of the sin cycle? So ask God to reveal your own sinful re reactions to other sin. This is hard. I'm not going to minimize that, but ask God to reveal to you ways that you have wrongly reacted to rejections and injustices. If you are a person who feels like you're in a lot of bondage, you've never really practiced forgiveness or done an exercise like I just described, where you've actively attempted to forgive people in your life or really um, evaluated after the rejections, you know, really attempted to let go of offenses and things, it's important to just say, okay, if you're writing that list, are there ways that I did wrong to these people? And do I need to do anything to make right? And these will be very obvious to you and they may be very painful. But if it's something that God brings up to you, it will stick. You know, I think that some of us, especially some of us who are hypersensitive, that we could get into an unhealthy thing where we start thinking, oh my goodness, you know, maybe I need to go apologize to this person or this person. No. You get alone with the Holy Spirit. You get quiet. You, you bring that before Him. And you let Him speak to you. And then
then you let him confirm it. If, if it's you feel like you have to go talk to someone, you just let that sink in for a minute before you rush off. Right. You can really hurt someone just running up to someone. Oh, by the way, I had this thought about you. Right? You don't <laughs> want to confess every single thing. Don't do it quickly. Yeah. But if it's something that you feel like some restitution, like I described the school incident, it will stick to you. He mm -hmm. will bring it up. Where it will literally be something that will bug you so bad until you do that thing. You just won't feel a sense of peace. Yeah. Um, and the important thing to remember is, even though it's awkward, you're doing it for your healing. Yeah. And then it's, it's, it's an obstacle, and it's an obstacle in a relationship and if, with God. If he's telling you to do that thing and you're resisting, that thing is going to keep popping up and popping up and popping up mm -hmm. and won't go away until you do it. And it's really going to be an obstacle. So Absolutely. And then there's one more step. And I really feel like this is going to help people, you know, get free and know they don't have to do it on their own. So what's the last step of escaping that rejection cycle? So stay close to God in the process. Um, keep connected with him during and after the process. Satan, again, is going to attempt to reinsert thoughts and memories about the ways this person has hurt you if you let him. After you have been healed, there will be the temptation at a later time to get back into unforgiveness and back into holding a grudge. You, you know, this may be a family member that you have to constantly see, or they may reoffend you, or just, you know, or the thought may just pop up at a later time. And again, at that time, you have to be careful not to get caught back up into a cycle. Satan is looking for a way to destroy us and pull us in sin. And, you know, it talks about in the Bible how he's a, a roaring lion. Yeah. He's prowling around looking for someone to destroy. Don't let it be you. Um, and so vigilantly ward off these thoughts. Michael just talks about just be so vigilant. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be free. And know that it's a scheme to tear you away from God and yeah. get you so caught up and distracted in the fence that you, you know, you start getting separated from God. You get derailed in your calling, um, all that stuff. Um, and pray for ways that you can actively bless the people. This is so hard and it's so not natural and it's so not what you're going to feel. But if there's someone that's really, really um, rejecting you or acting in a way that's, you know, mistreating you, can you give them a little gift? Can you give them a compliment? Can you send them a, an email? And you may feel so unnatural and fake when you're doing this. You can say, I don't have any feeling about this whatsoever. But by doing this and continuing to try to do this is you're closing up that opportunity. You're mm -hmm. not giving saying anything. And it, it's what it says to do in the Bible. And I'm not saying this because I'm good at this <laughs> or that this is natural or easy. But I'm saying this because it's what God provides in his word, instructions as far as living free. And I don't know about you, but I have seen that the last little thing you mentioned work. I, I can think of um, situations with people. I don't want to give too many details because you never know who's going to hear this. But um, I can think of a particular situation where a person, I didn't even know they didn't like me. I mean, I was like silently rejected, which is why it's important to follow that first step, which is ask God, you know, where you've experienced rejection. We may not even know. Um, we may not know why we feel left out at, at home or at work or whatever the situation may be. So this person, I didn't realize didn't like me. I found out later, but God really prompted me to give them an extravagant gift. And I think we've talked about it on here or my own blog. I kind of get the two. You know, we're both talking about Jesus. 
And um, so anyway, I've talked about this before, but God put, prompted me to give them an extravagant gift. And I came home and I told my husband, and he was like, Susie, I don't think that's necessary. But when you know it was the Lord, I don't care if anybody else says it's necessary, just like what you've talked about with making restitution at work. Um, you know, everybody else might have thought you were crazy. They might have thought, let it go. We didn't even know that was an issue. But there is something, I think, that is unleashed in the heavenly realm when we are obedient to the point of sometimes eating humble pie. And so this person now when I see them is so kind to me. I don't think that they are necessarily, I know they're not, from any from anything I'm seeing, any fruit, there's nothing in them that is indicating that they're closer to Jesus in any way, which is my ultimate goal. But I am seeing that whatever was there, they felt this kindness from me, and it made them hard to be mean to me after that. <laughs> I'm not saying that'll work every time, but I do know that if the Lord prompts you to do that, then it's going to, it's going to prevail. So um, let me pray for us tonight. Um, I think these are really good actionable steps. Again, if you're listening and you did not listen to last week or you're not reading the posts that go with these, I think it's really good to even print this out and have it, you know, we all watch that movie probably War Room where you have things, you know, taped to your wall or whatever, but maybe even to tape up these steps and say, God, help me work through these. Yeah, and um, right before you stop and pray too, yeah. um, I just... If you, I'm going to put the link, but if you are wanting, you know, more, you're feeling like you're under a lot of bondage. Um, Mike Riches, he goes into a lot more detail. He talks about not only the rejection cycle and some of these steps I mentioned, he talks about what he calls the forgiveness cycle, mm -hmm. which is very similar. Identifying the pain, naming the hurt, number three, confessing thoughts of anger, repenting and resisting sin responses, and number five, blessing and release, releasing. So if you're interested in that, maybe even check out his book and um, he goes into a lot more detail about these kind of topics absolutely god we love you tonight we thank you so much for i don't know just a, even a willingness to say even if we were not the one to cause the rejection initially we are brave enough with your help to be the one to address it to stop the cycle again we may not have started it but we can stop it and I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will give us the power to hold your hand through what might, what might be very difficult to actually act on and that we will allow you to work in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. That's what you say. You'll give us the willingness and then you'll help us do it. So as we seek to forgive rejection, as we seek not to behave badly because of rejection, give us the will and help us to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.